Hi, and welcome to the Canola Watch podcast. I'm Jay Wetter. The theme for this podcast is the Canola Research Hub at canolaresearch.ca. The hub helps canola growers translate agronomy research findings into usable on-farm practices for increased productivity and profitability. For this podcast, we talk to three researchers who specialize in canola diseases. They are Nicholas Larkin, Stephen Strelkov, and Shofang Huang. All three interviews were conducted at Science-O-Rama, an Alberta canola event held in March. Nicholas Larkin, with Armidus Genetics in Saskatoon, leads off talking about the program to identify major blackleg resistance genes in commercial canola hybrids, and how rotating these major genes can help manage the disease. Stewarding resistance is all about rotation. Rotation, 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 and uh, not just for black leg, but for every disease and for many other agronomic reasons, including yield, soil conservation, all sorts of there's, there's no reason not to be rotating your crops. That's the first place you start. Um, but in terms of stewarding uh, resistance genes, we want to make sure that um, we're not relying on one specific gene for too long. Um, that we're mixing them up a bit. The same, same way as you approach your antibiotic resistance in you know, human disease, you want to make sure that you're, you're attacking the, the, the disease from different angles and not giving uh, the pathogen too much chance to adapt to what you're uh, opposing it with. In understanding how uh, those genes and the pathogen interact, it really it enables the, the producer to really tackle the problem in a, in a very targeted manner and in, in, in a way to choose um, a, a real effective approach to managing the disease on their farm. The new stubble test that can identify black leg races present in a field will help farmers pick canola hybrids with an appropriate resistance package. That information they can take back to their seed supplier or their agronomist and get have a conversation about which varieties are available which have effective, specific resistance that's going to work for them in their field. Larkin also explains the difference between major gene resistance and quantitative resistance that often comes from many minor genes working all through the plant's life cycle. Quantitative resistance is a lot harder to study than major gene resistance. Um, Certainly um, Myself and my colleagues at um, Agriculture Canada in Saskatoon, uh, we've spent a lot of years working on quantitative resistance too. Um, but you're looking, instead of at a, uh, there's really quite a simple test to determine an interaction with a major uh, resistance gene. For quantitative resistance or adult plant resistance, you're looking at a whole plant life cycle. So it's a much longer test and they're, genetic factors that can be involved anywhere from the point where the spore lands on the plant until the plant falls over dead. And any point in between, um, there can be different uh, genes involved. Um, so it's a lot harder to, to really nail down what's going on. Um, certainly there's progress in that, in that realm. Um, there's been a lot of conversation in the industry about trying to come up with more standardised um, testing methods um, and so that people can, or companies can actually start um, putting labels on as to the, the, the quality of their quantitative resistance. Um, but at the moment, 
um, it's really only shown as a measure of, of the survivability of the plant at the field at the end of the season. Next, we have Stephen Strelkoff, professor of plant pathology at the University of Alberta and a specialist in clubroot. He talks about management challenges with the disease, including the various pathotypes found in fields and how they're shifting. Probably the biggest challenge faced by farmers, I think, or one of the biggest challenges when dealing with club root is that these uh, pathogen resting spores are very, very long-lived. They're very resilient, and they build up fairly quickly in the soil when, when they encounter a, a susceptible host. So, so farmers, and the, and ideally, they can try to prevent club root from arriving in in their fields, you know, through things like equipment sanitization and so on, trying to prevent the movement of soil into 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 the into their fields through for, through machinery and, and other ways. Uh, but once it's there, it, it you know the, the the tools available are are limited. We have genetic resistance, which is very effective, but they as uh, farmers should practice resistant stewardship. So not to grow the canola in uh, too short of a rotation because that can exert selection pressure on the pathogen population. So, so trying to maintain a bit longer rotations, particularly in field where fields where club is prevalent, is, is really advisable. Under the pathology pillar that was that was uh, coming to an end now after uh, in in terms of the growing forward too, uh, we were involved in in essentially monitoring pathogen populations, monitoring the spread of club root. Pathogen. I trying to identify uh, strains of the of the club root uh, pathogen that were there, and, and looking at the performance of resistant varieties. So those were some of the the main components of of that pillar to try to 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 stay ahead of this of this pathogen that we know has the potential to to adapt and to shift in response to what we do to it. Monitoring and surveillance for club root is, is very important because it's much. Uh, easier or, or, or manageable to, con- to manage a disease, control a disease, if we un- understand better what we're working with, because then we can implement knowledge-based management approaches. So, for instance, uh, pathotype monitoring is very important because we know that the club root pathogen exists as multiple strains or pathotypes, and these differ in their ability to attack different resistant varieties and different resistance sources of resistance. So the breeders need to know what are the most common or, or prevalent pathotypes present in, in a region so they can select and, and evaluate for the proper resistance sources so that they know that the resistance that they placed in their varieties are effective when uh, grown, grown in the field. So it's important to know what pathotypes are there, but we also know that pathotypes are shifting and changing in response to selection pressure. So it's also being very impo- important to be aware how, how the resistant varieties are performing, how certain sources of resistance are doing, and whether there's changes occurring and, and how, how we can try to address them. Even though we have genetic resistance available, that resistance is still vulnerable to club root. The pathogen can and, and, and is adapting to, what, to, our, to our management methods. So I think it's going to become important not to rely on just a single strategy, such as resistance, to manage club root, but try to incorporate a more integrated approach through things such as longer rotations where where club root is prevalent and uh, trying equipment sanitization to prevent spread of the new new pathotypes and and other strategies that maybe are in the works, such as liming and so on. I think they'll they'll help make our resistance a more durable and, and sustainable management option. 
Shofang Huang, plant pathologist with Alberta Agriculture based in Edmonton, is also working on clubroot, including in-field management options. I start to do the chemical study, and then we found there are no chemical available to control the disease. So then as farmers request, we do the fumigant study, but we found out the fumigant is very expensive, so only can do in the heart area, and the small acres can be useful. So the best way to control the disease will be integrated control management disease. And then of course, the resident cultivar is the number one choice. But on the other hand, we cannot abuse uh, the, the recent cultivars not to follow the proper rotation. Okay, so we still suggest the farmers uh, to grow the canola maybe one out of four years, one out of three years, you know, as long as you can afford. Because not only can reduce the club roots risk, can also reduce the verticillium, can reduce other soil bone disease uh, risk as well. The, all the farmers can go to the canola research hub there to find all the information they want uh, related to club roots, even other disease. So all, all, all our, the uh, Canadian farmers will become so knowledgeable. Scientific studies behind these advancements in disease management are featured at the Canola Research Hub at canolaresearch.ca. This database currently incorporates reports and findings from 124 canola ag agronomic studies. Nicholas Larkin. The canola research hub and, and similar features like this, it's really great that there's, there's points where the producers can go in and see where their levy dollars are actually going and how the money that's collected is being put to good use to, to really advance the industry and tackle problems which are occurring in, in their fields. Thank you, Nicholas, Shofang, and Stephen. Funding for canola agronomic research is provided by the industry through the Canola Council of Canada, provincial canola grower organizations, and government-backed research partnerships. To explore the Canola Research Hub, go to canolaresearch.ca. This has been a Canola Watch podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jay Wetter.